We are very fortunate to have um, Brian Turnbull as our guest speaker for our weekend. Um, I was trying to think of the last time when I first met you, um, and I'm not, I, I actually couldn't remember, but that's because I'm getting old and my memory is going away. But Brian uh, moved out to Seattle from Michigan feeling called um, to, much like a missionary would be called to another country, he left Michigan, which is like another country, to come to Seattle, which is like another country, and has been doing ministry uh, for years now, and particularly in the same neighborhood as our church. And so we kind of met um, as kind of co-conspirators, if you will, in the neighborhood. Um, and we are just really um, impressed by the ministry that he was doing, um, doing house churches, small groups, and the, the people he was connecting with in the community, bivocationally in so many ways, fully invested in. In fact, some of our inroads even into the Wedgwood Community Council and things came through Brian. He was in charge of the outdoor movie night, and yeah. part of our first chance to get involved with that was through him. Um, and uh, so it's just been a really cool thing, and to him, for him too, even in some of the house churches he's done, recognizing there's certain things that the house church does that um, isn't the same as a church maybe our size does. And so there were times where he was bringing people from his home churches that he'd been serving to One Life to experience certain things that they couldn't offer there and vice versa. And it's just been a really wonderful relationship and collaboration. We were also blessed to have his wife speak um, a while back as well at One Life. And so um, when we were thinking about this uh, retreat and some of the conversations about what it looks like to know and care for and serve the people in our neighborhood, we knew Brian was the person we wanted, and we were very thankful that he was available. So uh, if you give him a warm applause. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Yeah, when I, uh, I met Dennis, that's, I think that's where our connection began. And uh, I was praying, and uh, then our, you know, One Life um, came into the building that used to be Mars Hill, and I was like always curious about how this, this building was being used. And I met with Dennis, and we, we were praying for our neighborhood together, and then introduced me to Rich and then Greg. And it's been, it's been a beautiful, a beautiful uh, partnership. Uh, there was another pastor that I've worked with in the neighborhood, and he says, you know, if we were in Africa as missionaries, we, would, we wouldn't have denominationalism. We'd all be on the, on the same team. And that really stuck with me in the sense of, you know, I live and in, in work in the Wedgwood, northeast Seattle, and that's my ministry, that's my mission field, if you will, and that there's not, what I do is separate from what you do. It's like we're all on the same team. And so it's great, and I, I love it. Um, my time on the Wedgwood Community Council, from helping them uh, with uh, the cinema, and then with the Halloween trick-or-treat, and then bringing you guys into that has been such a cool thing. And then to see now how the park that's going by Javista and, and seeing the, the pictures of, of you guys all helping make that park come, come true and doing the, 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 the serve projects there is such a rewarding thing to think that there's partnership here. There's something um, beautiful about that. And that's partly what I want to talk about tonight is to kind of set the stage for this weekend. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted you to meet somebody. I can't bring him here because I don't even know who this guy is personally. But his name is P.J. Fletch, Fleck. He is the head coach of the Western Michigan Broncos, the football team. And I, I love football. I love sports. 
And uh, when I was growing up in the shadows of, of Bronco Nation over there in western Michigan, um, their football team was nothing to uh, write home about. They weren't very good. And uh, I totally forgot, you know, that they existed until I saw in Sports Center this past fall that this coach has brought this program back to life. And he's got this image. And they were showing him in the locker room, yelling at his players, Row the boat! Row the boat! And he's getting his players all psyched up. Row the boat! Row the boat! And the, on Sports Center, they interviewed him, and they're like, what's going on? Why are you saying row the boat to a bunch of football players? He's like, well, this is what it is. When my wife and I got married and we had our first child, we knew he had a heart defect, and we didn't know how long he was going to live. And then when he was born, I watched my son die in my, my wife's arms right there. And I just knew that this was either going to kill us or we're going to have to move on. And this imagery of taking a hold of that row and just rowing, just putting your, your, that oar in the water, that no matter what happens, if you just keep pulling that oar, that you can keep going. And so for him, that analogy of row the boat was just your effort, your 100%, give it your all. And that the boat that you're in is what you sacrifice. And the more you sacrifice, the more you give, the stronger that hull is. And then, he, and then his other part of what he teaches about is the compass, is that you navigate by the people that you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with positive people, then you're going to have a positive outcome in, as they help steer your compass. If you surround yourself with negative folks, then they're going to take your compass and you're going you're to go in negative directions. And I liked his imagery because it, it really plays out. And this whole idea of... Uh, of where I want to take you. And that's where I want you to meet the second person. I don't know him at all, but he's one of my great theological friends. His name is Henry Nowen. And Henry Nowen has this great um, article, it's a nice small one, it's from solitude to community to ministry. And when I think of, of our journey as believers, that we need to, to find these rhythms, these rhythms in which we need to live. And where I want to take you this weekend is that, that we, we plant ourselves in these rhythms knowing that our, our goal is ministry. And, and, the, and the thing about these overlapping imageries is that when you're in a boat and you're rowing, it's all about sticking your blade in the water. It's back to the coach of Western Michigan. Row the boat. Row the boat. And it's our job as believers so just grab the oars of our faith and the discipline of just sitting in there and just pulling, pulling. And the th beauty of this is that when you're rowing a boat, you're, you're facing backwards. So there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust and faith. Faith that God is pointing you in the right direction. And that as you're rowing, you're hearing His voice, the Holy Spirit you know the rowing term is coxswain, that voice who's coaching you in the back. You're rowing. And you're going in the direction. And you're rowing in the present, and you can see where you've been. And over my 10 years of ministry here in Seattle, over my 20 years of ministry or whatever, I never, and I'm, I'm always, I'm like standing on the edge, just like, God, could you just 
could I just peek around the corner and see what's around the corner? If, I, if you could just show me a little bit, I, I could take that step of faith. But God's like, no, just row. Just keep rowing right now. And it's when you are rowing or you're walking your faith that when you are looking back, you're like, I see it now. I can see the wake from the speed of which I'm rowing that affects different people's lives. It's that fruit. It's that mission, that ministry. And for Henry Nouwen, it starts with solitude. It starts in solitude. And solitude is this discipline, is finding space to be with God. Finding space to be with God. I want to take you to Luke 6, verse 12. If you have Bibles, you can open that up. And I believe that when Henry Nouwen gives us these this rhythm of solitude, community, and ministry. It's not something that Henry Nouwen just pulled out of his head or just came up with on his own. It's because he's been in, he was in tune with Scripture. He was looking at the life of Jesus. And for me, in my journey, I want to know how to row my bow of life and faith. I want to look to Jesus. What does he do? What makes him angry? What makes him sad? What brings him joy? And as a follower of Jesus, I want to emulate that as much as possible, as much as I humanly can. And so right here in Luke 6, verse 12 to 19, Jesus says like this. One of, these, one of those days, Jesus went out into the hills to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, of, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now he went down with them, and he stood on a level place. A large crowd of disciples were there, and a great number of people were all over, from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed for their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. It's the bedrock of Jesus' ministry right there. It started in the evening. It started in the evening with him going up to a high place, a hill or a mountain, and praying, spending time with God. And it's so important for us to find ourselves in places of solitude. Because it's in those places of solitude where we we make space for God. And when we make space for God, that we hear that voice, that eternal voice of, of God, the king of the universe who created the sunrise, who created the sunset, greeting us, and he's calling us beloved. Did you hear that? The king of the universe calls you beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter. It's in the quiet solitude, in the space. And that's where Jesus began. In the evening, he went in search of God. 
we could just rewind our day for maybe the last two hours. Say two words. Seattle traffic. Ferry lines. Oh, doesn't that, your, doesn't that just come right back to you? Ugh. It's Friday. You've had a, a week of work. Blessings, maybe, of experiences, maybe struggles, family dynamics, sports ending, band, band, computers, who knows, whatever your kids are doing. The rhythms of our society, the rhythms of our life. If the devil can't make us go astray, I think he wants to make us busy. Anything, anything to knock us off of hearing that voice. So that's why I think it's so important that we start here. Solitude. To hear that voice. You are my beloved. Jesus, at his baptism, came out of the water. And the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit came down and there was this voice. Behold, the one that I love. The one that I love, my beloved. Jesus knew his identity. He didn't have to strive to perform. He didn't have to do great, great miracles for for him for him for he to know that he was the Son of God. And it's amazing that from his baptism he goes into the wilderness and gets tried, tested, tempted. And I believe it's because he knew who he was. He's the beloved. You are sons and daughters of the God, King of the universe. And with that, we can move forward. We can row our boat, if you will. We can grab a hold of our paddle and just row. But the beauty of Jesus' example is that when he was on that mountain and hearing that voice, he knew that, that night gave way to morning. And that his purpose and call was not just to walk around as the ethereal being of the king of the universe to do miracles and say, hey, look at me. But it was to gather a community. And so we have it. He called those twelve gathered them up. He called them by name. He knew them. He knew what made them tick. What made them work together and where they would have struggle. That list of twelve included tax collectors and a zealot. Today that would be a Democrat and a Republican. Or a Trump and a Hillary person. His community was diverse, but they were learning from him. And the beauty of, of community and what Henry Nowen calls for us when we, when we move from solitude to community is you have to realize that there's two main parts. There's forgiveness and there's celebration. There's forgiveness and there's celebration. So I want you to come with me to this summer. My family is uh, taking a vacation on uh, Lopez Island. 
and we're biking around the island and we're having a good time and there's like one freshwater lake and we drove by it once and we saw there's a place uh, public access where you can go swimming and it's quite the the backwoods type of place there's rowboats there's canoes there's a a thing that's chucked full of life jackets and it's free for all. You can come and use it for anybody. So we dropped our bikes and we got in this rowboat. One oar that was super long with hardly not much of a, a blade and one oar that was with a big blade but it was super short. And so I was given the task to start rowing and m moving around and the boys were like pretending like they're the captain of the boat. Dad, you got to go this way. You got to go this way. No, you got to go this way. We want to go see that dock. And so there's just pandemonium going on. And I'm just moving my way through the, the lily pads. And we're going in circles and we're going in S. So we were unlike this fine rowing uh, picture up here of, uh, of a eight crew. We were a crew of four with one crooked rower going at it. In the midst of that, there's, there's uh, our gifts. We're all using our gifts, and we're all, we're all celebrating and having fun. But there's also this element of forgiveness, that they ha had to realize that their dad was not going to get them there as fast as they wanted. And that there had to be a, a level of patience. And in community, real authentic Christian community, when we are with each other, we have to realize that our brothers and sisters are not going to get us there as fast as we want to get, get there. And that we're on this journey together. And that what I'm looking for you, from you, I'm not going to be able to get in the sense that it's only from God, the King of the universe. And that's why I need to start in solitude, to know my identity, before I can engage in, in a healthy community. Or I can come with a posture of, of forgiveness because I know that, that I can't look to you for all my needs. And all my spiritual needs will be met in, in this community or in you. They're only going to be truly met in Christ. But with that forgiveness comes this celebration because in you I see the light of Christ. I see the gifts that God has given you that together we can do things bigger than what one can do on their own. So on this row, rowing team of eight, you can go so much faster when we're all working together in sync. And for us in community, it's that forgiveness in, in realizing that we all are going to have our different strengths. And that some of us are going to be in the front, some of us are going to be in the middle, and some of us are going to be in the stern of the boat, the back. And there's, each position has its, its place in the boat. And that together, when we're, we're working together, that boat is flying across the water. I don't know if you read the book or heard of the, the book that happens at the University of Washington, Boys in the Boat soon to be made into a, a major motion picture right here. One of my favorite stories, as these eight boys from Washington in this very specific Northwest all you know, come from different parts, not from rowing pedigree, 
but they form a team, an unlikely team, and they make it all the way to the Olympics. There's this one quote by the, their coach. It says, when your legs can't row anymore, you have to row with heart, with passion. As a community, you, when you can't do the things that you want to do out of your own strength, it is only out of the heart and the passion that is given to you by Christ that you're able to row and finish and give it all you have. So you move from, <clears throat> excuse me, so there's this motion from solitude to community to ministry, mission. In this story, Jesus comes down from the mountain with his disciples on a level place. And there's people from Jerusalem, Judea, Tyre, and Sidon. So they're basically the, <clears throat> excuse me, basically the biblical storyteller is telling you there are people from all over the world those who are cursed are being healed. And people are, are wanting just to get close to them. And, and the sick are being healed because there's power going out. There's power going out from Jesus. And Jesus says to us, you will do greater things than I. In solitude to community, and when the community is in ministry, in movement, in one direction for the kingdom of God, power will go out from you. In a difference, people will be drawn close to you. They want to they be healed. Let me just take a step back and, and point to the past. If you were all in this rowboat of one life, looking at where you've been rowing, what Rich and I were talking about in the beginning. It's the summer film fest. Summer cinema where you have provided leadership and given of your time. It's the park that's come to life because a whole bunch of neighbors have wanted to see a park but one life has come to help and give helping hands to a server to clean up that, that area and to say, hey, we're just not going to wait till the city gives us money. We're going to put picnic tables. We're going to beautify this space. Make it a park the Halloween trick-or-treat. As hundreds of kids walk the business district that you are out there. And I can tell you from the flip side of one who is on the community council with ears to hear other people on that council say, it is so great to have churches and these organizations give of their time as they look at the value, the assets they have in their community, one life is one of those. Anchoring hope on 95th and 35th. That when people drive by, they're not wondering, oh, what is in that gray building? But they are hearing stories. And people are drawn near. So my hope for you this weekend is that you'll find space. If you want to pull an all-nighter and have solitude with God, go for it. If you
you want to just get up really early in the morning and have solitude, I would probably recommend that. That you would hear the voice of God this weekend. In the space that's given for you to be, have some alone time or just take a walk in the woods and hear the voice of God saying, you are my child. I love you. There's nothing you can do to make me love you even more. That in this weekend when we are gathered together and we're celebrating when Brian is leading us in music, there's this joy. There's this celebration of, of who you are as one life. That you hear and recognize that you're part of something bigger. That you can't make a difference like you can when you're part of this collective group. And that you can start to see dreams and visions of how your world can be impacted even more as the power of God oozes out of you as a collective body, but also where you live, where you work, where you play. Probably my biggest aha is that I'm a missionary. I have a regular job. I do landscaping. I do coaching. But I'm a missionary. You're a missionary. We're all missionaries. God, Jesus called you and is sending you. We no longer live in a time where missionaries are sent to a far-off country. The far-off country is coming here. And it's time for us to hear the words of Scripture again, where Jesus says, you are my beloved, and I'm sending you. I'm sending you. You are a missionary. You are part of this church, one life. And I pray that during this time that we have together, that you'll hear those, those three things. That you're loved, you're gathered together as this community, and you're sent. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, King Universe, we bless you for this time that we can be together. For how you call us to row the boat, to form community, to live this life together. Lord, I pray that we can have ears to hear your whisper of your spirit into our lives of how you love us, how you adore us. There's nothing that we can do to make you love us. Lord, how that we are called to be part of this community. And you are sending us out. So Lord, I pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds for this journey this weekend. Give us what you would have us need. Lord, may you surprise us by your spirit when we're not watching or looking. And Lord, may we be ready to jump and follow you wherever that may take us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, so what I'd love to encourage you to do is maybe find a couple people around you. They're all right in the space. And um, just take a few minutes just to share one or two things that stuck out to you. Maybe the one thing that you felt like you needed to hear tonight. Um, 
maybe it's something about solitude, maybe it's about being more plugged into community or, or even this idea of hearing, hearing that we're missionaries, whatever it is. Find a couple people, three or four max, talk, and then in about six or seven minutes, I'll set up those of you who have kids free to go get your kids, and then the next thing will be snack. But it's always nice to have a little space to dialogue. So go ahead and do that, and uh, I'll close this up in just a little bit.